Reading Like a Writer by Francine Prose. Reading Like a Writer takes you through the various elements of world-famous literature and shows you how, by paying close attention to how great authors employ them, you can not only get a lot more from your reading, but also learn to be a better writer yourself. My favorite quote from the author is, I've always found that the better the book I'm reading, the smarter I feel, or at least the more able I am to imagine that I might someday become smarter. Francine Prose Lately, I've been fascinated with the metaphysics of reading and writing. For example, speed reading and analytical reading. Although the title of this book suggests it's aimed at people who want to write literature themselves, it's also beneficial for readers, since it can help you understand the stuff you're reading a lot better. Published in 2006 by Francine Prose, who's published over 30 books in both fiction and non-fiction together with HarperCollins, this book takes examples from over 100 pieces of tried-and-true literary classics and shows you how to make sense of them. Here are three lessons to help you become a better reader and writer. 1. Think of possible synonyms to understand the author's point. 2. Pause after paragraphs because they are the most personal element of writing. 3. Pay attention to action, thoughts and dialogue, since one of them will dominate the others. Ready to read in the big leagues? Here comes the pep talk you need. Reading like a writer, lesson 1. Try to think of synonyms the author could have used to understand more. This answers the question, how can we get inside an author's head when we're reading? According to the Oxford Dictionary, there are around 170,000 words currently used in the English language. Google says it's over a million. It of course depends on what counts as a word and what is commonly used, as opposed to just being mentioned a few times in a narrow context. But regardless, choosing words is hard. And it's what authors spend most, if not all, of their time on. Therefore, you can bet there's a reason behind every single one they choose. Take the first sentence of The Alchemist, for example. The boy's name was Santiago, by Paulo Coelho in The Alchemist. Coelho didn't say, there was a boy named Santiago, or Santiago was a boy. He said, the boy's name, which instantly tells you something about the perspective of the book and narrator. She's someone with a lot of information to share, but is in a position somewhat distant to the book's events. Using the also indicates that Santiago will be a piece in a big puzzle, more likely to be reacting to what's going to happen, as opposed to proactively doing things on his own accord. A great exercise is to try and think of synonyms the author could have used. For example, why someone would say treasure instead of gold, creature instead of bird, or hasten instead of rush. This will help you understand the point the writer is trying to make, and get in his head as to why he made the word choices he did. Reading like a writer, lesson 2. Take a breath after each paragraph to learn more about the writer's personality. This answers the question, what should you do with your breath while you're reading? If you're Sherlock Holmes trying to unravel the mystery of three novels by three authors which sound awkwardly familiar and are at the cause of a copyright lawsuit, here's where you should start looking at. Paragraphs. Why paragraphs? In a paragraph, all the emphasis lies on the first and last few words. 
Therefore, every paragraph instantly tells you what the author thinks is important. It's like listening to someone talk and paying attention to which words they pronounce more clearly, slowly, and maybe even repeat for emphasis. The best way to catch these accents of importance and reflect on them is to think of paragraphs as literary breathing guides. When you start a new one, you slowly breathe in and then gradually exhale as you read on and on, before coming to a full exhale upon the last word. Breathing in sync with paragraphs will give your reading a nice rhythm and also show you what makes a good paragraph. Too many one-liners and you'll feel hectic and breathe shallowly. Too many drawn-out walls of text and you'll hardly be able to catch your breath. Pretty cool, huh? Reading Like a Writer Lesson 3 Actions, thoughts and dialogue reveal characters' intentions, but one will likely overshadow the others. This answers the question, how can we better find out more about a book's theme? What makes characters in books come alive are the same things that determine how our own lives unfold. What we think, what we say, and what we do. You might think that having to pay attention to what characters think about, how they talk and which words they choose, and how they handle their lives, and the book's events might be obvious. But it reveals a lot about how writers approach writing stories and telling their message. For example, The Little Prince is based almost entirely on dialogue. The prince has encountered many strange people on his journey, and talking to them has led him to new insights. As the prince then recounts his own story to the man in the desert, the latter again draws conclusions based on those, which he shares with the reader, also by directly talking to him. Other books, like Harry Potter, focus a lot more on the main character's thoughts and internal workings, and the actions that they take based on them. Look at the mix of actions, thoughts and dialogues in the books you read, and you'll see beneath the characters and author's surface. Maybe it'll inspire you to write your own. Here's what I learned from Reading Like a Writer by Francine Prose. This is arguably one of the best books on both reading and writing at the same time. Uh, I have it sitting on my shelf here. I, f I flick through it occasionally and try to catch little bits here and there. Uh, I once read the summary initially on Blinkist about it. And that in this case helped, the summary helped, uh, because it was it wasn't so focused on the individual hundred pieces from literature that she took, but more on the over on, on the ideas behind that. So that was good for that. But obviously I think that's a this book could be a great gateway into classics, right? Uh, I'm guilty of this myself. I haven't read remotely as many classics as I should have because both in German and English class, I sort of struck out uh, with luck in terms of that. So uh, when I was in school, I thought it was awesome that we didn't have to read all this old stuff, right? Now I wish we would have, but oh well, got to do it on my own sometime. Um, but that's the first thing, right? This book can be a gateway to that. Um, then, so I don't know, obviously, if you want to learn more about reading or more about writing. But so I'm going to tell you a little bit about both, right? What I what I got from this. So first of all, the breathing exercise is is part of my complete guide to remembering what you read, right? So I, I made a reading guide. It's got five phases of reading and, and condensing the info in nonfiction books and stuff like that. And this whole breathing exercise and how you read I took that from this book, right? So because it's really, really powerful. Um, on most, in terms of paragraphs and reading, on most social media sites, on most blogs, medium.com, Quora, you will see 
a lot of short paragraphs, right? We're used to short paragraphs by now. Because online, what we see is pretty much all short. On, even on four-minute books, I mean, I try to keep it to three sentences per paragraph, usually not more. Uh, um, and what you see on the blog often, quite often, is not even just three sentences, but often just three lines of text. So if it's one long sentence, that could literally take up three lines and I'll make a paragraph. When I started this site, and you can track this, if you go to the site, fourminutebooks.com, and you go to older summaries from, say, early 2016 and to now, say, late 2017, you will see that my paragraphs have gotten longer. That's because in the beginning, I was in the same sort of staccato mode where I would uh, ideally, so on social media and my early blog posts, I had literally just, it was one line, every one line, then a paragraph every single time. Because I, I first learned about writing blog posts from someone who wrote that way because he was actually more about talking rather than writing. So he just wrote everything in, in, in one line. So you would think that, and I get why people do this now, right? It happens on Quora a lot too. It happens on Medium too. Every line is on a different paragraph. People do that because they think that that way they can emphasize every sentence. But that's not true, obviously. You just get you skim and hectic and you have to scroll all the time and you think... And you can literally feel yourself going out of breath because it's so it's just so shallow and, and hectic. Now, the other part is just as bad, obviously. I mean, in books, there's not just paragraphs, but also where basically the paragraph ends, but there's there, the gap is missing, right? So if there's, let's say, there's two words in, in the ending line of a big block, and then there's the space to the other side of the page, that also tells you, all right, this is a section that ends. So that makes it more endurable in, in books to, to read longer sections in one go. So I've been trying to do that more on Medium as well, for example. Because it's not that we don't have the attention or, or the patience to sit through a long paragraphs. We do. It's just that you can use them to guide the reader in a nice way through the blog post without basically forcing them through one wall of text in one breath at the same time while not going overshooting into one-liner mode. So if you're reading... Look out for those paragraphs, right? And and you'll be able to spot sort of, I want to say, good paragraphs from bad paragraphs uh, based on that. If you're writing, uh, remember to make your paragraphs uh, as long as they need be, but not longer. I mean, I know that's the whole Einstein quote, right? Make things simpler, as simple as they can be, but, not, but no simpler. But that's the same. So, and I just read this, I mean, imagine how insane this is. I just read this recently on Seth Godin's blog. He was talking about, uh, how long a piece of writing should be. And he basically said, well, how long can you keep the reader entertained? Like, how long, how much do you have to say? How long can you provide interesting insights? So it's not the problem if something is long. You don't have to cut things short because there's, the space is free on the on the web, right? You don't, you don't need to pay for paper. So it's space is free. You don't need to keep yourself, cut yourself short. Just take as long as you need to say whatever you need to say. Obviously, it doesn't need to be cluttered. But if you can keep saying interesting things and keeping the reader engaged and keeping your writing dense, then that's no problem. That's fine. And that that's the same for paragraphs, right? Your paragraphs can be, I don't know, 10 lines long. That's fine. If it's an interesting paragraph and if it's coherent and if in terms of content, it makes sense to keep all those sentences attached together. 
basically, in essence, by the way, Seth's quote was, dense isn't, or, or long isn't the problem, boring is, right? So whenever something's boring, we skip either way, no matter how long the paragraphs are. All right, there was a whole lot on paragraphs. Um, so just very quick skip to voice. Voice is super powerful. I mean, you got the example, the boy's name was, that's passive voice. Uh, Santiago Santiago was a boy. It makes you more think like mm, maybe he was a little child, so he's smart, but he's obviously the antagonist. Um, there was a boy named Santiago. That's more the that's more the telling a tale kind of spirit, where you think oh this all has happened in the past, right? So there's I mean there's so much you can reason into that. There's a fine line between overinterpreting stuff uh, and underinterpreting, but. In general, I think if you want to read better and if you want to write better, I think one of the best things to do is to... Uh, you don't have to take the classics. You can take any book, literally. Maybe a book you've read already and you've enjoyed and take that and look at it from a text text per perspective. So take a book... Take one page, a random page out of a book you like. can be Harry Potter. can be anything. And look at that page and, and look, go through and see what kind of voice is this? What kind of grammar? What kind of words is the, the author using? What did she probably think while she was writing that? Why did she include that here? And and so on. And just do that exercise once. I swear it's going to make you a better reader and a better writer, if you're writing, that is. Okay, enough. I don't want to ramble on too long. You see, I can go on with this forever. There's more books on reading and writing on four-minute books, so I'm going to get to those. I hope to do a reading workshop at one point. We'll see how that goes when it happens. And I just hope you like reading and you'll do more of it. See ya.